So let's pray and ask for God's blessing this morning. Father, we are so grateful for your faithfulness in our lives. And Lord, we pray for the possibility of the grant for Mizpah. And, and Lord, we desire that that is used to, as a tool to further your kingdom. And Lord, we're, uh, we're thankful for over the years the many, many lives that have been impacted uh, through Mizpah. And uh, we pray that that would just continue to grow. And we pray that, uh, Lord, that you would allow us to, to complete the lodge. And what a dimension that would add. We're so looking forward to that. And we just pray that you would have your hand upon that, upon the grant, upon the rest of the work that's being done there. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, may we be encouraged in your faithfulness Challenge us to be faithful in our response to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, how do you deal with persecution? If you're attempting to follow God as best you can. And as we look today in Daniel chapter 6, we see the challenge that Daniel faced when he was encountering difficult circumstances. And just like Daniel, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there are times in your life that you're going to face difficult circumstances. And, and for everyone who ever lived, there are difficult circumstances in our life. But as a follower of Christ, are you willing to stand when standing causes trouble? And we're going to see that in Daniel chapter 6. As we have done through the previous five chapters, we're going to go ahead and, and lay out the story, and then we're going to see how it applies to our life. So the story begins in the first five verses with the plot. There were other leaders that were jealous of Daniel, and now the Medes and the Persians had come, as we saw last week, they had conquered Babylon. Medo-Persia was the new world empire, the Persian Empire. And, but, but they had captured Babylon, the Babylon region. And so there were 120 satraps, which were leaders, and three governors that oversaw those satraps. And Daniel was one of those three governors. And again, amazing this... Hebrew that was captured so many years before, and by the way, Daniel's probably in his 80s now as this story takes place in Daniel 6, but he comes from a captured Hebrew to, to one of the leaders of the entire region. So let's look at verses 1 through 5 as we see the, these other leaders plotting against Daniel. Begins in verse 1, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. 
So we have in the region these 120 satraps and, and they had three governors that oversaw their work. And we know that power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. You've probably heard that saying. And so it was easy for these satraps to, to be able to be a little deceptive in what they did so the three governors oversaw them to make sure they weren't doing anything underhanded. So there was automatically some uh, tension between the satraps and the governors because they didn't appreciate the governors looking over their shoulder making sure they were doing everything correctly. And I'm sure there was some, some dealings between the other governors and the satraps. Hey, we can work together for our benefit. But Daniel was a man of integrity. It said there in verse 3 that there was an excellent spirit in him. He honored God in the way he lived. He honored God in the way he worked. So the other governors and all the satraps were, were jealous of Daniel and word went around that uh, the king Darius was considering putting Daniel in charge of all of them. Not on level with the other two governors, but in charge of all of them. And, and so they said, we need to figure out a way to trap Daniel and to get rid of him. But they had an issue. They couldn't find anything. Think about politics today. One side is, is looking for dirt on the other side. They're looking for skeletons in the closet of, of whoever's running from the opposing party to be able to let the whole world know and destroy that person. And so all of these guys were looking for something to be able to take before King Darius and said, did you know this about Daniel? But as they, as they searched diligently in the background of Daniel, they could find nothing. His character was evident. The king had recognized his integrity and, and was considering promoting him. And, and so the rest of the leaders looked even more diligently. They could find no improper relationships. They could find no financial cover-ups. No improper use of power. No inappropriate emails or tweets. No associations with shady characters. Unless, good, I'm glad you got the joke there. Some, uh, no association with shady characters. Unless... They looked in the mirror and said they were probably shady characters and unfortunately in his job he had to deal with them, but, but no other ones. No activity that would disqualify Daniel from his post. And since they couldn't find any skeletons in his closet, they, they decided the only way to trap him was actually trap him in his integrity and in his faithful obedience to God. And you know, in, in the midst of a foreign country in a pagan kingdom, Daniel's character stood out. Daniel didn't hide his faith. And also, they believed, these other leaders believed that 
Daniel would be faithful to his God, even in the midst of the pressure. You'll read throughout the chapter, they didn't doubt Daniel's faithful obedience to God. That's why they were confident that their plot would work. And we see in verses 6 through 9 that, that they set the trap. And they were confident that Daniel would go into the trap because he was a man of character and integrity. Beginning in verse 6, it says, So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions." Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. They put this written decree coming before King Darius and said, King Darius, you're the greatest guy. In fact, we want everyone to recognize and to look to you for your greatness. And so, let's make this 30-day moratorium 30 days they cannot pray or seek out any other man or god except for you and they talked about the law of the medes and the persians you see in the persian empire monarchs were considered infallible so any decree that was made by the king could not be changed because obviously the king being infallible would not make a poor decree so the trap was set And all that was needed was to have witnesses observing Daniel's faithfulness. And Daniel faithfully praying as was his custom. And you see the trap was set because they were confident in the integrity of Daniel and the pride of Darius. They knew each one of them would be evident. And sure enough, Darius is like, hey, that's a great idea. So he signed the decree, and word went out throughout the kingdom that no one was to pray to any other man or any other deity other than Darius 30 days. And so we see in verses 10 through 17 that Daniel was in the den. The decree did not affect Daniel's faithfulness. Notice verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. I'm sure that the, the public announcement of the decree so everyone knew this was the decree written or signed by the king that they needed to follow. But as was his custom, Daniel prayed. He opened his windows and faced Jerusalem three times a day to pray. He wasn't concerned about who viewed him. He remained faithful no matter the circumstances. Now let's think about our lives. Do the people around us 
have confidence that we are going to be people of integrity when an opportunity to stand or to falter takes place. If your workmate wants you to be put down, maybe so they can be put up, do they attack looking to your integrity and your character to use, although it's something good, to use against you? Or do they need to find some other way? But Daniel was faithful. He continued to, to pray regularly. You know, Daniel had a, an incredibly busy job. We, we can be confident of that. But he made sure that prayer was a priority. And he recognized that only through God and God's strength could he be the man that God called him to be. And so he faithfully prayed, asking God to give him guidance and wisdom. He also didn't hide it. Those other people knew exactly what Daniel was going to do. And they were prepared to, in a sense, catch him in the act. So the spies were there watching. Sure enough, Daniel continued. And you'll notice, in the, in, if you read through chapter 6, you'll see the word continue or continued over and over again. It demonstrates the faithfulness of, God, of Daniel to his God. So verses 11 and 12, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. And I love it. They're setting up the king even more. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians which does not alter. So they said, all right, King, your pride has helped us out. And we pick up the story in verse 13. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, <laughs> and I'm sure they had some sarcasm in their voice as they said this, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, remember his background, King does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, He will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid in the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose, or that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. What's happening? They said, so king, you made this decree, right? Oh yes. Well, that 
guide Daniel, that captive from Judah, parenthetical thought in their minds that you so foolishly put in a high position, he does not regard you, O king, or your laws. He continues to pray to his God. And Darius realized that he had been trapped. And so for the rest of that day, he is trying to find a way to get out of throwing Daniel into the lion's den. But he comes up with nothing. And when sunset comes, they come back and say, Darius, you need to follow through. Oh, great Darius. And so... Darius has no other choice but to throw Daniel in the lion's den. They, they put a seal on the stone so no one can tamper with it. Daniel's thrown in the lion's den. And it's interesting, it says, you know, Darius talks to Daniel before he's thrown in and said, your God will protect you. That wasn't a confident statement. That was a little hope because you see what happens over the next 12 hours. Darius was not confident in God. Only Daniel was. Daniel was the one who recognized God's power. Now Daniel, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in chapter 3, was not promised that God would protect him from the lions, but he was confident that God would be with him when he went into the den. So Daniel was, was brought in. He was placed in the lion's den. King had put the seal on it along with other leaders. Daniel was in the den. The king went back to his palace and the leaders, I'm sure, went to a celebration. Ha <laughs> ha! We have victory. That Daniel is no longer going to be a thorn in our side. We have victory. We can celebrate. And so we see though that they didn't know what was going on in the middle of the den. But God showed up. So we see God's protection. To the surprise of everyone but Daniel, God protected him from the lions. Beginning in verse 18, it says, Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from from the lions. Then, and I'm sure it was to the king's surprise, Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Darius spent a miserable, sleepless night filled with guilt and sadness. 
guilt because he recognized because it was his foolish pride that, that had caused Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den. Sadness because Daniel was a very faithful servant and helper in his kingdom and probably a good friend. And so he didn't want to eat. He didn't want to have entertainment. And he couldn't sleep. He was hoping that, that Daniel's God would protect him, but his actions demonstrated that, that he did not believe that Daniel would survive the night. doesn't say what the other leaders did, but we can be confident they had a night of celebration, rejoicing in the fact that their competition and the object of their jealousy was dead. So when the king returned early the next morning, he called out to Daniel, and to his surprise, Daniel answered him. And I don't know about you, but, but I wonder what happened in the den that night. The Bible doesn't go on to talk about it. Did the lions rush at Daniel, but then God put this invisible shield around him as they came close? Maybe they bounced off of it? Maybe the lions didn't even notice Daniel. He was like an invisible man. Maybe they came over and they began to sniff Daniel, but, but uh, God made the Hebrew flavor repulsive to them. Maybe they had lockjaw or a stomach ache and they didn't feel like eating. Did Daniel sit by himself over in the corner? Or maybe did he just lay down with the lions? Maybe using one as a pillow and cuddling with some of the others? We have no idea. But we do know this. God sent His angel. And Daniel made sure Darius recognized the power of God and that it was God who was the one who protected Daniel from the lions. And it's interesting, he also said, and king, <laughs> I haven't done anything to try to attack you or your kingdom. I've been faithful. It's interesting that he puts that in there. And we see God's protection and the reminder to Darius that God was the one who was in control. And then we come to verse 24, and, and this, is a, this is a difficult verse. We title it, The Plotters Punished. You know, the story wasn't as happy of an ending for those who plotted against Daniel. Verse 24 says, And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Now when Daniel came out, it says there wasn't even a scratch on him. But the plotters and their family didn't even make it to the bottom. And evidently there was an, uh, probably both a side and a top entrance. You see, when Daniel was brought out that morning, he was lifted up out. And as they were thrown in, they didn't even make it to the bottom before the lions began to devour them. 
It's a really harsh judgment. And we see in it that King Darius, <laughs> it's not good to, to make enemies with the king in the Persian Empire, just like it wasn't in the Babylonian or Syrian or later on the Greek or the Roman Empire. And whatever, whether it was right or wrong for Darius, we do see that there are consequences to sin. Daniel didn't call for revenge, but the perpetrators were judged for their actions. And sadly, and the same is true for us today, when we sin, it doesn't just affect us, it affects others. But then we go on in verses, the last verses of the chapter, verses 25 through 28, and we see that Darius praised God. It ends much like chapter 3 and chapter 4 with Nebuchadnezzar. And just like Nebuchadnezzar years earlier, Darius had a front row seat to the power of God and he responded with praise. Notice beginning in verse 25, it says, Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who, ha who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Just like Nebuchadnezzar years earlier, we we have to question whether Darius truly recognized the full power of God. He called God the living God. He recognized that God was eternal. But he failed to say that he was the only God. And what happened in that culture is there would be many gods and gods and the, and the Persians specifically allowed those captured people to worship their own gods. The, the Babylonians struggled with that more. The Syrians earlier, they were like, no, no, it's the Syrian gods or nothing. But, but so the Persians said, yeah, you, you, have a, you have a god. He's got some power. You can go ahead and worship him, but you better follow us. And our gods are more powerful. And so recognizing that, that the god of the Hebrews had some power wasn't abnormal. So we don't know how much it changed Darius. But in this situation, we find that Darius had a front row seat to God's power. But just like Darius, God, or at the time of Darius, God is at work today. And just like Darius, we can see God at work. He's no different today than he was in the 500s B.C. God is an all-powerful God. So how about in our life? You know, we, there's many lessons in this powerful story, and we're just going to take a couple minutes and look at two. And one, and it's really a, 
a minor lesson in the scope of the chapter. But it's a lesson that we can struggle with. Even as followers of God, we can fall into the same trap that these other leaders fell into as they tried to trap Daniel. You see, attempting to get my way, to get my desires, will require wrong actions, and it will always, in the end, lead to a bad ending. You know, what did the leaders do? They had to lie and deceive to get what they believed was best. Notice verse 7, Daniel 6, verse 7. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. They were speaking before Darius. What's the first word of verse 7? All. Were all of the governors involved in it? No. We can be confident there was one that wasn't. One of three wasn't. His name was Daniel. But you see, in order to deceive the king, they had to sort of fudge on the truth. But every one of us has that same temptation. Maybe it's at work and something's going on and you didn't do exactly what you should have done. But you sort of leave out some of the story that makes you look bad. Or you sort of exaggerate the things you did well to get greater praise or a promotion. Or maybe it's your young person living at home with your parents and you sort of deceive them so you won't get in trouble because you want to do something and you know if, you, if they find out what you did that things are going to be taken away. Or maybe it's in your marriage and you're not being the husband or wife that God calls you to be try to just sort of hide some of the details so you won't get caught. But I guarantee you there's going to be a bad ending. They went to bed one night celebrating. Their enemy had been defeated. And the next morning they were lion lunch. We have to be careful. When we attempt to get our way to fulfill our desires, we have to do the same thing that these guys did. Whatever it takes to get whatever we want, deception, lying, hurting others, we say, well, they'll get over it. But you know what? 
Proverbs 26 and verse 27 says, Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. What a very simple but powerful proverb. I dig the pit, I'm probably the one that's going to fall. Don't fall for the same trap that the other leaders were caught in. And the second, and really the, the main focus of the whole narrative, is this. The challenge that I must not change when the pressure's on. Daniel's actions were not affected by his circumstances. Let's go back and, and reread verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he knew. He went home, and in his upper room with the windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. He continued to do what was right no matter the circumstances. Let's think about some of the things that Daniel could have done to try to avoid the lions. It would have been so easy for him to say, you know, I've got to go, you know, and, I, and he was one of the governors. He could basically create his own schedule. You know, I think I need to go down to Egypt for a while, maybe about 30 days. And I'll come back after this dumb edict is expired. Or he could have at least closed his windows. I mean, God would still hear him. And maybe just, just start to, to pray as he walked. By the way, I'm sure he did that too. But uh, it's not the, not the tradition that he had set up to, to pray regularly the three times a day facing Jerusalem. You know, maybe, you know, close the windows, lock the door. Or just sort of uh, say, you know, God, you probably still want me alive. I'm doing some pretty good things for you. So, so for the next 30 days, just hang on and I'll be back in conversation with you when that's done. Changing his schedule. Could have hidden or hidden what he was doing. But he was not ashamed of God. And here is the key. Daniel would rather be in the lion's den with God than anywhere else without him. That's the key. But can we say the same thing? Now we're here this morning and when you leave you probably don't have people spying on you to go tell the authorities that you were disobeying. We have freedoms. But we also do recognize that it may not be a lion's den, but to stand for God may take sacrifice. Even persecution may come. But can we say, you know, I'd rather be with God in the lion's den than anywhere else without Him. Are we willing to say, yes, God, I will stand for You even if I'm alone. If I'm the only person in our office I'm going to live with grace and love toward my workmates 
And I'm going to be a person of integrity. I'm going to do what's right no matter what it costs. You know, it's interesting if you look at this compared to chapter 3, very similar. Chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood when everyone else was kneeling. But Daniel was kneeling when everyone else was standing. What's the key? They did what was right no matter if they were with the majority, the minority, or all alone. And we're called to do the same thing. Now as we end this morning and we end this series, when I was a kid, we we sang this song, and we sang it really as a chorus. And we called it Dare to be a Daniel. And actually, it's more than just what we sang, and, and, and I believe that the, full, or the correct title is Daniel's Band by a guy named Philip Bliss, who was a 19th century hymn writer, one of the most famous hymn writers in American history. By the way, he died at age 38 in a, in a train wreck trying to save his wife, and uh, but he wrote this song called Daniel's Band, and I'm just going to read the first verse in the chorus. And what a great reminder of what it means to dare to be a Daniel. It says this, standing by a purpose true, heeding God's command, honor them the faithful few, all hail to Daniel's band. Dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, dare to make it known. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also, they were willing to stand for God no matter the consequences, no matter the circumstances. Can we dare to be a Daniel? Dare to stand alone? Dare to have a purpose firm? Dare to make it known? Do the people around you say, you know, they're a person of integrity. The only way that we could trap them if we want to cause them to fall, the only way is to do something like those other leaders did with Darius's pride and Daniel's integrity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to understand that you are Almighty God, that you are in control of the situation. Lord, Guide us, help us to have the backbone and the grit to stand for you. Lord, to stand in grace, to be loving followers of you, but to be willing to stand even when it may cause great discomfort or even loss. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.